Hello and welcome to IEEE Soft Robotics Podcast. In this podcast, we are going to interview researchers from Pulse Academia and Industry about their work, thoughts, spectrum, and more beyond that. This is Marwa Edwini, and I hope you will find this podcast useful. If you would like to connect with us, simply send us, and we will be happy to hear from you. And here is my interview. Thanks. Welcome to IEEE Software Robotics Broadcasting. Uh, could you please introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, I'm Ian Walker. I'm a professor at Clemson University in the States. Could you just tell us about your research work in Software Robotics, what you've actually been doing? Yeah, mostly the work I've been doing is in what they call continuum robots. So that's continuous backbone robots, things that are uh, motivated by things like snakes and elephant trunks and octopus arms in nature. And so they're soft in the sense that they're compliant rather than the sense that they're squishy. Mm -hmm. it, uh, what, what would I have to search uh, to find this again? Because I know someone... So what you meant you convinced about uh, soft robotics research? Why do you think it's really important to, uh, to continue? I think it's the next generation. I think from, from a perspective of evolution, robotics started with rigid elements, uh, which first are analogous to our own bodies. Um, but more than that, I think, were the sorts of things that could be made with readily available technologies in the past, and they were well-matched to factory automation, the sorts of things that were making money for robots. Mm. Um, but that ch technology line has its limitations, mm -hmm. and it's great for factories, but it's not great for unstructured environments. Mm -hmm. And so something else has to happen to make robotics what it can be in, in larger environments. And that something, I think, is soft robotics mm -hmm. in its various forms. And there are many different forms. Many different things um, are, are called soft robotics, but most of them are some sort of adaptation within the machine, mm -hmm. the physical adaptation within the device. Okay, great. So what kind of limitation do you, you would like to account in quantum research? There's a limitation, there's challenges you would like to solve? Yeah, there are lots. I think they're both ends. So um, you can sort of view robotics as being the machine at the bottom and the intelligence at the top. And I think with, within soft robotics, there are challenges in both directions. So if you like, at the, the bottom end with respect to the machines, there are new ideas. How do you make robots squishy and deformable in a good way and incorporate sensing and computation into them? And so there's, there are great opportunities for new materials, new types of sensors, mm -hmm. so uh, things that will become the, the body of the machine. Mm -hmm. And at the higher level, when you have those new things in the machine, then you have deformable bodies that can do something, but how, what is the something, and then how do you organize the body to do what you want? Mm -hmm. And so there are fundamental questions about what does intelligence mean? It, it certainly is going to mean more than just positioning joints in a certain way, the way it's been for conventional manipulators or dealing with odometry in the way it's been for wheeled robots. Mm -hmm. But I think that the question is open as to what it's going to be in the future, and that makes it fun from a researcher's point mm -hmm. of view. Mm -hmm. If it's intelligent for the material itself or just the way of modeling or designing controller, what you imply about intelligence? Is it in two level or do you think how would the direction be? I don't know. I, I think at this point in time the, 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 the jury is open on that. I, I think that it's not clear how things are going to evolve. And I think because of that, hopefully, the field of soft robotics will include lots of different people who will have different opinions, mm -hmm. uh, depending on their backgrounds, some of whom 
will not be relevant to the field, but I think it's a time when we need to sort of get those perspectives and figure out what could be done and what should be done. Mm -hmm. It's not obvious, I think, yet. Yeah. In your research, you have application for space implementation. Hmm. Could you yes. please let us what is the potential behind your research in space? One big thing is, is with soft materials, they, soft robots tend to be lighter mm. um, than heavy, rigid-based uh, structures, and so they're probably cheaper to deploy in space, uh, to launch into space, and then easier to deploy. Um, the, the downside is that they're not so precise, and right now space technology in general, and robotics in particular, they're all about precision. Mm -hmm. And to some extent you can see that because space is a more structured environment than, say, if we take a walk through the woods. If you're deploying a robot in, in space, you can know a lot more about the environment and there were fewer things to perturb you. On the other hand, there are still things that involve a fair amount of imprecision. For example, docking between two spacecraft is something that now is done by very precise machines. And I'm willing to bet it could be done a lot cheaper, a lot more efficiently a lot more reliably and a lot more safely with a soft type structure. Mm -hmm. But proving that to the space community will be a challenge. Yeah. And actually, we're just looking for other really by the uncertainty because soft robotics uncertainty and a lot of uncertainties. Yeah, the whole, point of soft, the, the whole point of soft robotics is that you're going to try to handle uncertainty within the physical structure itself mm -hmm. in some fashion that involves intelligence, sensing, actuation, and the body. Um, but the field that now, at this point in time, is, is so, uh, it's not mature. And so as such, there are lots and lots of people projecting lots of different possibilities. And we don't know quite what the outcome is going to be. And so it's exciting if you're a basic researcher, but frustrating if you want to deploy. Because at this point, we could deploy something that someone would build this year. But without much certainty, I think, whether or not in 10 years' time we'll look back and say, well, that was exactly what you needed to do, mm. do or equally, well, that was a big mistake because they should have done that. Mm -hmm. So at this point, it's a great time to, to have basic research, I think. Mm -hmm. Great. So intelligence of robotics, uh, is, it, is there application you think rather than space and biomedical, something that you think can be, we can employ soft robotics rather than space and the current to it? Yeah, I, I would think healthcare. Mm -hmm. I mean, most most applications involving humans. Yeah. Uh, I would not like to have conventional robots um, do p very intimate personal things around myself. Yeah. Um, for example, continuum robots in my field, uh, colleagues in Italy have um, developed a, a continuum robot that helps you with showering. Mm -hmm. So instead of just being a rigid head in one place that the water comes out of, then it can bend around you. And, and that way, if anything goes wrong, it's soft and it's compliant and, and it's not going to harm you. Mm -hmm. You know, I wouldn't like to have an industrial robot <laughs> trying to give me a shower. Mm -hmm. And that's just one example of many where interacting with people, uh, generally speaking, hard machines should be on their own. If you go into a factory and you see conventional robots, they are roped off or they're put in, in um, f f uh, assemblies and fixtures that are deliberately roped off or, or screened off from humans, and that's for a reason. Yeah, yeah. So as, as you are a professor, how do you see the future of software robotics in 10 years? How, how do you imagine system after 10 years or something? This come to mind, this kind of imagination, how you see systems in software robotics? I would love to know. Mm. Uh, it's one of those things where um, 
if I knew, then I would be out there trying to do all those things. Mm -hmm. um, but in truth, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty sure that what will happen is there will be some combination of what is now the current technology and the things that are being projected. So, you know, I don't think that we're going to have completely shape-shifting, squishy things that will slide under doors and then become a blob that morphs up and becomes a chair that we sit upon and follows us through the day and just is a sort of a some sort of morphing object. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I envision we will see things that have rigid elements but they will be soft at times when we want them to be. So sort of like a robotic version of a, of a, a chair with fabric, but it's a chair that might morph into uh, providing you with arms or be softer or not. It's a simple example. But something I, I would imagine, and I would hope actually, that there will be some intersection between what is currently the state of the art in robots that actually make money for people and things that can do good, I hope. Right. So, um, in addition to cooperation industry, because you, you research work about space technology, so is there intention to promote your, what you're working with industry? Do you have any ideas about or intentions about that? I have some ideas about that. Mm -hmm. um, so we, uh, at Clemson, we have a, 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 an, an institute for automotive engineering. Yeah. So we, we have some connections with the automotive industry and, and the associated manufacturers. Mm -hmm. um, but my core research is basic research. Mm -hmm. So I'm interested in continuum robots fundamentally because I'm interested in animals. Mm -hmm. And so I'm interested in octopuses and elephants and, and the opportunity to advance the area of, of my uh, research specialty while learning something about animals has been very rewarding for me intellectually mm -hmm. and currently I'm interested in plant-inspired robots and so mm -hmm. the same thing sort of applies there that I, it gives me an opportunity to learn something about plants mm -hmm. where I think there's also strong potential that it can benefit the field mm -hmm. and so my particular research program tends to be at what they call a low TRL level mm -hmm. so we're interested in applying fundamental principles and then letting someone else come along and, and take it and, and make it something that is appropriately cheap and reliable and, and not necessarily safe but cheap and reliable enough that it can be marketed. Mm. It's quite interesting because today in Grow or Workshop you highlighted that we need to highly live an understanding maybe in plants and for any UB researchers, do you recommend that if you work in soft robotics, you have to study very well the evolution of a plant or animal? Because how we can abstract, and this is something I think you highlighted today. Can you please tell us your source about uh, understanding planet or animal to abstracting again? I, I think it's not necessary. I think mm -hmm. it's one direction that one can take. I think one advantage of looking at nature is that there are an extraordinary number and variety of animals and structures and plants and, and basically example solutions out there of the way that nature has found solutions to difficult problems, mm -hmm. which are of interest to humanity. Um, but on the other hand, I don't think we should be constrained by looking at nature. I like doing it, and uh, it's something that my group tends to do. But I think that coming up with an idea that perhaps abstracts one or two principles, or even if it doesn't, that, uh, there are solutions out there that may have nothing to do or very little to do with nature. So, for example, with, with airplanes, um, we all know about birds. We can look outside and see birds, but the airplanes that we fly around in, they don't, their wings don't flap. Mm. So there is a fundamental principle of lift uh, and thrust, 
But beyond that, the way we engineer planes, if, if we were wanted to fly using principles from nature, we would still be waiting. Mm -hmm. And we would still be wandering around in, in ships and wheeled vehicles. So I, I think that sometimes solutions are out there that don't have to have much to do with nature. Mm -hmm. But it's also interesting, and, and nature provides us with a bunch of solved problems uh, which we can look at and get some insight or not. Great. So for soft robotics, you think we have to outreach to public uh, communities, not only scientists. You think we have to do that in high schools and outreaching how important soft robotics and inspiring for nature. Do you, do you have ideas about outreaching for that? Do you have I, I think it's important for all aspects of robotics. I, I think that if, you are, if you're developing technology that will impact people or people will use, I think it's up to you as a group, as a community to inform and, and engage the public as to how it's going to be used. I think it's particularly important with respect to robotics, um, which right now is in a huge surge, that you need to engage the public because in various different ways robotics may completely change the way they live their lives in a few years' time, and some of those ways may not be the way that people would like to have. And so, uh, therefore, I, I think that there is, it's important that there is some engagement of the public and that they should consent or at least be informed and have the ability to object to the way that their lives may be changed. Mm -hmm. Because we developing the, the technology, we always have in mind that we're going to help people, but most technologies, if they can affect people, depending who is controlling them, can affect people in a bad way. Yeah. And that's something that people need to be aware of. Mm -hmm. so. Another point about marketing, about, because it's all focused now on AI. And so, you're a professor, and if you'll be interested in coming and after graduation, you have to come maybe to industry or academia. So, I don't know how you think about there's a shortcoming in, in, in soft robotics companies for startup. Mm -hmm. yeah, do you think about how you can, if your student come to you, how you can help them in the direction before, but after graduation? To work in, in industry. However, the market's only focus on AI. Do you think we have to integrate AI with soft robotics? How to come up with solution? Do you have something in this research? Yeah, I, I think that there's, to some extent, I think that will happen naturally. Mm -hmm. That as better solutions or, or more mature solutions arrive, then I think that they will spawn companies. Mm -hmm. So I think at this point, um, there is a market for more conventional robotics technologies. And I think that in reality, soft robotics is something that most people agree is going to be the next generation of, uh, of, of robots. But on the other hand, I think that right now it's not at a state of maturity where it has found that killer app. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the industrial arm that handles parts on a production line, for example, the, the, um, the, the autonomous vehicle. Those, that kind of thing where you can say, you can answer the question, well, what are soft robots going to do? You can say it's going to be that, and it's going to make somebody a lot of money, and it's going to do the world a lot of good. We're not there yet, because we still don't quite understand what soft robots are going to be and what they're going to do. So as such, it makes it hard for companies to, of any significant size to, to, uh, to rise up and to... To, to make money and, and be places where, for example, my students can be employed. Mm. So I think realistically from my group, which does more basic research, um, if to the extent that, that my students want to continue that sort of work, realistically I think research groups, either universities mm. or institutes or, or large companies with, with research organizations, that's the natural home for that at this point. Mm -hmm. In 10 years' time, I hope it'll be different. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the podcast, I would like to a piece of advice for a student 
newbie student had, would like to work in soft robotics, or a student have been graduating uh, from PhD, do you have advices for the career life, because you have old experience, yeah. uh, advices to the student? Find something that excites you. Mm -hmm. uh, because you will spend many hours in whatever you're doing afterwards um, working in that, whatever you choose. There will be times, whatever you choose, when it'll be relatively easy and relatively straightforward, but there will be times when it's very, very difficult and very frustrating. Mm -hmm. And if you're not excited about it, your life is not going to be much fun. Mm -hmm. So if you can find something that you can be employed to do that you're excited about, for goodness sake, go for it. Mm -hmm. About tools, because some students lack a background in certain topics like uh, programming or control. Is this also handy for them to continue, do you think? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's harder, but again, robotics is a funny field to be in, in with that respect, because you know, some fields are, uh, are less interdisciplinary, and as such, the set of skills that you need to have to make a difference are very well defined and very narrow. In robotics, it's such a big field that I go to the major conferences and, in truth, half the papers I don't understand mm -hmm. and uh, another, maybe a quarter of the papers, I don't even understand the titles. Mm -hmm. And I'm supposed to be an expert in the field. Mm -hmm. uh, but yet the particular group of skills that I have has allowed me to make some sort of a difference. And so I think robotics is a, is a little bit of an exception in that field, in that way, because you, there's so many things you can do. And if you are doing those things, then while you're doing it, you have the chance to pick up skills. Mm -hmm. If you're, if you're not, you don't have programming skills or you need to have better hardware skills. Usually if you're on a, an interesting enough team, you can find a way to build those skills. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thanks so much for the interesting talk. And at the end of the broadcasting, I would like to thank you and on behalf of the Soft Robotics community. Oh. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. So, right. Thanks.